Grace, mercy, peace be yours in abundance through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Das Sprechen einer anderen Sprache, während einer Predigt kann den Evangeliumsdienst erschweren. I wanted to spook you. Speaking another language when you're preaching a sermon can make the delivery of the gospel difficult. And God knew this full well. For Pentecost, you know, it's, it's funny how we just have these words, right? Pentecost, 50 days in Greek after Easter, is a celebration of the Lord making his word available to all languages. And through all languages having the gospel, all people have the gospel for everyone speaks a language and they hear in a language that's unique to their heart. Pentecost, strangely, is an Old Testament festival. I never knew this, uh, you know, before studying it in seminary. Uh, It's an Old Testament festival that celebrates the congregation In Deuteronomy, it's, you know, ordered. The congregation bringing together their first fruits to give to the Lord in little baskets. Uh, It was probably really cute. You probably put first fruits into your kids' little baskets and they followed you to the holy place. And you gave thanks to the Lord for delivering you out of Egypt. Here's the problem. Come Jesus' time... They had this second temple, newly built. It was beautiful. It was huge. It seemingly would stand the test of time. God would dwell here in Jerusalem with us Jews forever. We built the perfect temple. Well, when people would uh, come to celebrate Pentecost from all of these places scattered throughout the world, because you see, during the... um, During the Babylonian exile, forgive me. During the Babylonian exile, the Jews, or they were back then they were called the Hebrews, were scattered all 12 tribes throughout the world. They intermarried, they made their homes in faraway places, and basically they got lost. But everyone that remembered that they were a Jew, They knew at certain times during the year they had to come back to the temple and present their sacrifices to the Lord. One of those times being Pentecost. Lest they forget the Lord Yahweh delivered them from Egypt. But here's the problem. When they got there during Jesus' time, they'd get to uh, the temple and they'd buy their little basket, probably wrapped in shrink wrap with a first fruit offering, prepped in there for them, going through the motions. They, you know, probably there's more expensive ones nearer to the temple than far away. And if you were, uh, if you forgot, you bought it right there and you went in. 
And the priest started talking to you in Hebrew. And you're like, I speak old high German because I'm from Germania. I'm a Germanian Jew. Or I speak Arabic. I don't speak Hebrew. I'm a Jew that was displaced to Arabia. But he still keeps talking to you in Hebrew. And once he starts to recognize, oh, okay, I see your shrink-wrapped first fruits gift. I see you probably don't speak Hebrew. Here, Aramaic. I'm talking to you in the common tongue of the land. But if you give me some money, I will feed you the lines in Hebrew. And you just repeat them back to me. And then you can fulfill your Pentecost liturgy obligation for this year. And that's how it went. God's word was being held captive in the Hebrew language in the temple. And you might even say that God himself was being held captive in that temple for the Pharisees watching over it were very sure to make the temple a place that people must go if they want to encounter God. And so we celebrate today Christian Pentecost. We celebrate a very strange group of people, the 11. The 11 apostles who just moments ago locked themselves into a room for fear of the Jews, afraid that what happened to their Savior and Lord Jesus might happen to them, and they didn't tell anyone anything, for they were afraid, as Mark puts it. But Jesus, if you can remember in our gospel reading today, promises his Holy Spirit. He says, when I go, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to bring to mind all that I have said to you. And you will bring my gospel to the ends of the earth. He fills them with this Holy Spirit in that locked room. Somehow he gets in there. Once again, don't try and tell me that he climbed in the window. I'm sure the windows were locked too. And all of a sudden, these 11 apostles and especially one, Peter, has the gall to stand up there and deliver the most fiery law and gospel sermon you've ever heard that not many pastors could get away with. We only read half of it today. Why could they do this? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised them. We have it uh, written in Latin, Spiritus Sanctus. It's a wonderful tale to hear because it means that people from all over the world could now hear God's gospel, the Lord's gospel. It means that no matter how far you are gone, no matter how imprisoned you are in your sin, or unbelief, so-called unbelief, God will wait and wait and wait for you to repent and believe in his Son. 
Because this group of 11, later they'll get a 12th, when uh, Paul is stricken blind and healed and comes to faith. But now that they have the Holy Spirit, they are able to preach the gospel and teach the gospel to all to the ends of the earth. No matter the beatings, the imprisonment, the execution. But it just, it's just wonderful because we, we hear in the reading today that some responded in faith. And it goes to show that even in a crowd, and later in Acts it will say, this, this, this crowd that rejected Christ. Even a crowd that literally, physically was there to reject Jesus Christ. Some of them will respond to our Lord's gospel, repent and believe. It's wonderful. The Holy Spirit works through the word and primarily the preaching and teaching of the word. And that's why you have publicly called a pastor to do so on your behalf. The Holy Spirit teaches us today that salvation can happen immediately for those that hear the word And it's a wonderful promise. The the gospel is now for all people and ought to be translated into all languages. It's an absolute undoing of that Old Testament Pentecost with Pharisees demanding that you worship in Hebrew, a language that you don't know. Now the gospel is for everyone. Even non-Jews, even Jews that don't speak Hebrew. It's also the undoing of what we believe was a curse from that Tower of Babel story. Where God broke up this unity in language and sent people to the ends of the earth and confused their tongues and ears. For now, all people have their own unique language, dialect. As we hear, they they knew they were Galileans. They had a dialect. And they live in all sorts of places that need to be gone to and shared the gospel with in their heart language. It's wonderful. God breaks through the second temple Judaism that must be in Hebrew. And he says, no, my word is for all languages. Today's Talmudic Jews insist on reading the Torah in Hebrew. I remember speaking with a rabbi in college. And I was like, hey, let's discuss this Genesis thing. And he said, I don't want to keep talking about it if we don't talk in Hebrew. And so I said, all right, we can't talk anymore. Because I'd have to wait three years to learn Hebrew. It's not a very good way to have a spiritual conversation with someone. And uh, Muslims insist on their Quran being in Arabic. Or it just doesn't work. One time I went to an internal medicine doctor. 
And he pleaded on my behalf to learn Arabic so I could read his book and become a Muslim. And I said, I'm sorry, sir. There's so many things I have to learn and do in the world. I can't learn Arabic right now. And so he said, all right. Our hands are tied. You can't become a Muslim. I said, shoot. But I'll remember this when I preach my sermon in a couple weeks. (laughs) All right. I bring these things up to let you know how blessed you are. Our Jesus's gospel not only can be, but must be translated and heard in the same language that your mom and dad tell you I love you in. Because that is the language that your heart responds to and that the Holy Spirit works faith in. And now we have a gajillion different translations. Right now we're using the cheapest one to reproduce that still keeps the cadence and structure of the King James but is easy to understand. And that's what we need. The Lord's gospel is for you in all languages. I want to draw attention before I close out here today to the Tower of Babel. I think it's a very interesting story. I've spoken about it a lot in my sermons, but you know, it's Nate read it for us graciously. All the people in the world were all together of one mind in one. In, it's really interesting. It's like they all spoke the same language and they all wrote using the same letters. Isn't that, isn't that weird? It's like, it's not like, okay, they all spoke English, but some of them wrote in Cyrillic font. Some of them wrote in Chinese caricatures. No, 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 they all wrote in the same letters. And they all came together and they said, let's go up to God. We've lived um, apart from him for a while now. But if we make it up there, then maybe we'll be there with him and we'll prove to him that we're just like him. We're at the same level as him. We ate that fruit. We're smart. And I think this is endlessly interpretable for us today. I think that, well, at least right now, I'm trying to think of it in a way of our comfort zones being our own towers of Babel. We like to stay in our comfort zone. We like to slowly add to our comfort zone and make it higher, not wider to where the other people are but higher in our own comfort zone. Okay, I went to work. I came home. I watched TV yesterday. I'm going to watch TV again. Nice. Oh, that felt good. I did the same thing. Everything's okay. Just keep building up your comfort zone tower. And what stinks about this is you you quickly slip into the consequences of sin. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to kind of show you what's going on. Because really, if we can understand sin, like the church has understood sin, it's distancing yourself from other people. Augustine 
uh, translates sin as man turned in on himself. So isolating yourself, being too invested in your own self, being preoccupied with your own life that you forget the people around you. And so ironically with the Tower of Babel, the more you build up your comfort zone, Tower of Babel, the less you talk to other people or at least new people that need to hear Christ's gospel, the less you invest in new relationships because you know if you keep feeding the existing relationships at a minimum, you have what's tried and true. Unfortunately, this ends up with us building towers only of our opinions and only of those that give us pleasure. And this usually means ourselves. And because we always disappoint ourselves, we end up using the person nearest to us as a cheap way to that momentary pleasure, usually by snapping at them. In that instant, you're right, they're wrong. Ah, that felt good. That'll get me through the next couple hours. Well, I think that this has become a huge problem in the last two years. I think over the, especially during the lockdowns, when the lockdowns became a little too much, a little too long, when two weeks to flatten the curve became two months to flatten the curve, became six months, became eight months, became a year, two years to flatten the curve. We have all started to build up our Towers of Babel. We have all become preoccupied with our own lives. We have forgotten the one closest to us. And if we remember them, it is simply to let them know how much we've been doing. And so we turn to Jesus on this day of Pentecost to drive us out of our locked rooms, to drive us out of our personal towers of Babel and into those communities, this community that we all live in. I swear I live on the border of Elk Grove Village. It's basically Schaumburg, but it's basically Elk Grove Village. To go out there and to listen to people, listen to people that are hurt, to share Christ's gospel in their language, in their heart language. Sometimes it's just, okay, I hear you. And this is not a logical decision that you make in your head and you're done. No, we're beaten down by the world. We're beaten down by what others think of us. And we play those tapes over and over in our heads. And we're driven to a breaking point where we call out for deliverance. It's just a question of who we're calling out to. And so the Lord gives us this promise through the words of Joel, delivered by St. Peter on the day of Pentecost, and now through yours truly, on our day of Pentecost. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, by his Holy Spirit, enables you to speak and hear the message of Jesus Christ crucified. But what does that spirit do? Often people say, we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. And I think he likes that. Because the Holy Spirit always points you to Jesus. And it's what I think I'm supposed to be doing here. And so Jesus comforts us with his peace. He says that he must go so that he can send his spirit at Pentecost. We covered this last week at Ascension. Jesus needs to leave space and time to go through space and time to be with you by the spirit. He says, I will send him parakletos to be with you. Now I bring up the Greek word not to make me look smart or something. We all can read. But simply because it's very hard to translate. Our translation calls him helper. Other common translations call him comforter. Others call him counselor. And one of my favorite, the message, everyone loves looking up verses in the message, right? Says, I will send you the Holy Spirit, friend. And I think what's so interesting is all of those are valid. You can call the Holy Spirit any of those names because the word literally means one who stands beside you, a helper, a comforter, a counselor, a friend. They're all one that stands beside you, and that's who the Holy Spirit is. And that's who named your congregation the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit. Your church, the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit, helps you understand God's word. He's a helper. The Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit comforts you in your grief and your heartache. She counsels you in difficult times and in the abundance of your riches and your blessings. And she seemingly is your only friend when you feel hurt. But above all, your church, the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit, by the work of the Holy Spirit, stands by your side and will stand by your side, doing the work of the Spirit, which is pointing you to Jesus Christ. That is, in your times of trial, in suffering and pain and blessing, and in your decadence, the Holy Spirit will point you to the places you need to hold on to and will give you peace. The place you need to hold on to, the cross of Jesus Christ, where he earned your life, your salvation, your forgiveness of your sins. He points you to where you receive these benefits. Your Bible that's on your shelf. The font at the entrance of our church. The ambo where Nate reads you the word and I give you a message, our altar 
where he comes and is with you in body and blood. When at the gas station, you can say, hey, I met Jesus this week. I know you know about him, but he's really alive. I just ate with him. The Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit is here because of the work of the Holy Spirit and only by his continued work in your lives through these specific means will our church remain here as your comforter, helper, friend, counselor. And so I share Christ's blessing in closing. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I am going away so that I may come to you by the Holy Spirit. Amen.